time. There's hardly anything we wish we had more of. However, there's hardly anything we waste more of than time. Today, I want to dig into some insights, tips, tricks, hacks, if you will, to help you make the most out of the time that you have. It's the Lead on Purpose podcast, helping leaders, teams, and organizations lead more intentionally, effectively, and with purpose. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast and welcome. If you've been listening in so far this season, I've had you place a lot of focus, a lot of emphasis on you, prioritizing yourself, raising your level of personal clarity, getting yourself more engaged in you-related activities, and managing your boss. All of these things probably sound pretty darn good in theory. However, in practice, maybe a completely separate issue. One of the biggest threats I know that's faced is having the time. Like a lot of people, I've tried a lot of different to-do list mechanisms, different ways to organize my calendar, and today I want to bring you insights, tips, tricks, hacks that I've learned over the years in both my personal experiences of finding balance, but also having those moments of being really completely out of whack in terms of the balance between personal and professional. A lot of my insights and tips and tricks I've also studied and read about in terms of how the brain works, uh, some of the things that get in our way when we're trying to prioritize and maximize our time. And then a lot of what I'll bring you in today's episode comes from one-to-one coaching, working with individuals one-to-one to try to create some breakthroughs to help people maximize their time. It's one of the biggest topics that I'm hearing as I talk to organizations and consult with individuals is just not having enough time to get everything done. And so excited to bring some, again, some insights, tips, and tricks to you today. First things first, there's three myths that I want to help you bust and really break through that I think you have to bust to be able to be successful in maximizing your time. Myth number one, multitasking. It's a myth. And the belief that our brains can handle more than one high value, highly intellectual task at the same time is a myth and we have to bust it. Now, can you multitask at a smaller level in terms of, can you listen to this podcast and drive your car? Absolutely. Can you listen to music while you're on a run or working out? Absolutely. The type of multitasking that's a myth is the belief that we can be fully engaged in a project and focused on something that really needs a high level of creativity, a highly intellectual thing that's on our to-do list, and have distractions that are competing for our attention going on at the same time. Our brains just can't handle it based on everything I've experienced and everything I've read. And so we have to bust this myth for ourselves. What you really introduce into the situation is what's called cognitive switching costs. And so as human beings, we can't necessarily multitask, but we can multi-switch. We can move from one task to the other throughout our day and bounce back and forth. But again, what we introduce are these cognitive switching costs. And maybe a better way to think about it is if you were to book an airplane flight from New York to LA, what would be the quickest way to get there? The most effective way to get there? You would certainly book a non-stop. When we introduce cognitive switching costs and we're trying to multitask, what we're actually introducing on this plane flight from New York to L.A. are stops along the way. We're saying to ourselves, well, just a quick stop here in the Midwest, another quick stop maybe in the Rocky Mountains. 
Well, what does that do to the entire duration of the trip? Makes it less effective, less efficient, and it takes a heck of a lot more time. So imagine your brain, when you're in the zone, you're fully focused on something, again, that needs high creativity, highly intellectual item on your to-do list. That's analogous to your brain. That's analogous to being at 30,000 feet going 500 miles an hour. When we stop in the Midwest and we introduce a stop in the Rocky Mountains, well, we have to come down from 30,000 feet. We have to slow down from 500 miles an hour. That's what this idea of cognitive switching costs really means. So first myth you need to bust is the myth of multitasking. Our brains just can't handle it at the level at which some people are trying to execute. Second myth you need to bust to really be able to maximize your time is the myth that others around us are to blame for us not having enough time and not being able to get things done. People need us personally and professionally. We get knocks on the office door. We get pinged on chats. We get phone calls. People need us. It's really up to us, though. They are not to blame. We have to set appropriate boundaries for the people around us. And I want you to think about a quote. And uh, the source of this quote is debated. And I'll just call it unknown is the source. But we teach others how to treat us. So think about that for a moment when it comes to your time. We are constantly through our interactions, personally and professionally, teaching those around us what's okay. And this is never more true than when you think about your time. And so how we communicate to those people around us, our peers, our boss, our team, the people in our personal lives to set appropriate boundaries for when we do need to be fully focused on something that's where we need to really place our emphasis and focus instead of blaming people for, Hey, why are you distracting me? Why are they pulling me off task? They ought to know better through our interactions and the boundaries that we set. We are constantly teaching everyone else around us what's okay. And so I want you to really work on busting this myth by challenging yourself to set better boundaries for people, to let people know, Hey, here's some moments and times when I'm going to be unavailable. Here's what I'm going to be focused on. If you really need me, here's how you can get a hold of me. But know that you're pulling me off of something that I intend to be fully focused on. Third myth, you need to bust to be able to really maximize your time. And this is the toughest one of the three. It's one that I'm challenged with personally and professionally constantly. There is not enough time for everything. And so the myth here is that we wake up in the morning believing there's enough time to do everything that you need to do. There's enough time for everything that you want to do. The reality is there isn't enough time. And so throughout our day, personally and professionally, what's really happening is we're making a series of trade-offs. We're deciding on one thing over another. And that's really how finite our time and our resources as human beings have become with just how busy the world is, again, personally and professionally. And so one thing I want you to think about as you're making these trade-offs Every single time you say yes, there's an associated no. Unfortunately, though, sometimes when we say yes to something, we haven't considered what did I just trade off down the line? Yes, I'll stay late. No, I won't be home in time for dinner. Yes, I will take on that extra project. I just said no to another project I was already working on. Our resources, our time that is just too finite. There's not enough to go around to take care of everything. And so we need to be a little more conscious 
around the trade-offs that we're making that when we say yes, there's a no that we're trading off somewhere down the line. So first things first, bust these three myths, the myth of multitasking, the myth that others are to blame for us not having enough time, and the myth that there's enough time for everything. Once you've done that, it's time to place some focus on how you set up your calendar. Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, what I've discovered about myself is I really live and die by my calendar. In other words, if it's not on the calendar, it's probably not going to happen. And so whether you've done this already or not, I think there's an opportunity for a tune-up if you have done this. I think if you've never done it, it's a really important consideration is getting all personal and professional items on one calendar. And so most of us are provided through our workplace um, outlook or another calendaring solution. I recommend using that professional calendar as our single source of truth and pulling in all of our personal items. Now, again, this is something I know a lot of people do. So this could be just a healthy reminder for you, but I still feel like I'm discovering people who aren't maximizing the use of their calendar to really outline things that are going on in their personal life that have professional work implications. For example, I think going in in advance and really earmarking what are all the events that are happening for you personally that you already know. They're annual, they're recurring, such as birthdays, anniversaries. In my mind, those are things that you can go ahead and put placeholders, recurring placeholders for on your professional work calendar. Other things that would go on there, when are your vacations coming up? Other things that would be included on there, even the small stuff. If you have a dentist or doctor's appointment, yeah, that needs to go on the calendar. You go into one of your kids' ball games, yeah, that should be on the calendar as well. Get as much on there as you can to really build a full picture of what your time needs to look like. The key here for me is I think when I do this well, because I this is something I have to continue to challenge myself on, when I do this well and really am maximizing the use of my calendar... Uh, the biggest thing I'm doing is I, I, I end up building work around my life instead of building my personal life around my work. And that's really the headline here of going to a single source of truth in just one calendar. It's put you in a position to build your work around your life. And that's the main thing that I want to help you get focused on here. Now, when these items of a personal nature are on your calendar, it's not only just a a good reminder for you, I find a psychological advantage, meaning I've already kind of told myself that whether it's that birthday or maybe I've put on there, I need to call my mom on her birthday, whatever it is, I've already kind of told myself that psychologically, I've blocked that time, meaning I'm not going to allow other things of a professional nature to be scheduled over it um, because I've already kind of told myself, Hey, this is held. The other thing that that does, particularly in situations where other people in your workplace have visibility to your calendar, it also starts to set the appropriate boundaries with them. Earlier, we talked about teaching others how to treat us. What a great way to do that is to have your calendar communicate clearly. What's the full picture of you? What are your priorities? When are you available? When are you not available? And so yet another reason why I think combining forces here, putting all of this stuff in one place, really great first step. And again, I know a lot of people are already doing this, but I still feel like I'm finding people who either aren't doing this at all or could be doing a much better job getting more personal stuff held on their calendars in advance so they're not caught at the last minute. 
They're not sitting here on a Tuesday going, oh my God, Friday is my anniversary. I forgot to think about that. If it's already on your calendar, you're going to be thinking about it and you're planning and it'll put you in a situation where it's less likely that you're going to get double scheduled. So big piece here, one single source of truth for your calendaring. So we'll stay focused on calendaring, but I want to take it in a bit of a different direction. And a lot of us use to-do lists. I know for me, you know, pad and paper has been something I've used in the past. Uh, There's lots of cool software and apps out there to help you with to-do lists. Uh, Something that I've been more successful with these last couple years that I want to challenge you to try out is uh, something I didn't even know had a name. It's just something I've been doing for the last few years. It wasn't until a couple months ago, a client of mine pointed me to a Harvard Business Review article, and there's a name for this thing that I've been doing the last couple of years. It's called time boxing. And in this Harvard Business Review article, they basically did a research study on productivity hacks. They went out and looked at what are the top 100 hacks Uh, for productivity, basically following around who are the most productive people and what are they doing to be highly productive. And they ranked out these top 100 productivity hacks from most useful to least useful. The number one most useful was ranked as time boxing. The basic premise is to really move away from a traditional to-do list and use your calendar as a to-do list. In other words, to schedule your tasks on your calendar, to block yourself outside of meetings and other things that are on your calendar, block yourself times to take care of your tasks and to-dos. And I found a lot of success with this. One of the things that the article really took a deep look at is what's making these highly productive people highly productive is they're doing the right things at the right times. The other benefit that you gain here is you avoid uh, kind of a bias that can happen subconsciously as you're making a a more traditional to-do list. You wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm one through 10. What are my items? It is very easy for procrastination to creep in at that moment. And they talked about this in the research study. It's very easy for you to say, let me start this off with some easy tasks that I can just kind of knock out. And before you know it, you've got some high ticket items that you will procrastinate. You will put off until tomorrow's list or their number nine or 10 on your list. And then guess what? By the end of the day, they get punted. And before you know it, you're working at the last minute. By scheduling yourself to do this on your calendar, you avoid some of that tendency for procrastination. It doesn't completely eliminate it, but I think it really mitigates the chances that you're going to feel compelled to procrastinate. Getting the right things done at the right time. Also, uh, there's some other psychological benefits here, meaning when you wake up in the morning, there's likely, you know, 15, 20, maybe even 50 things that run through your mind as you're having your first cup of coffee that you need to get done. When you schedule yourself to take care of those, it's not that they completely go out of your mind, but it kind of compartmentalizes it. It sets it aside at least temporarily because you know in your mind, I've already set aside a time block to take care of that particular item. And so yet another psychological benefit that I think is really important here with this idea of time boxing. So the other thing that they talked about in the article, this idea of the right thing at the right time is you can schedule your tasks in appropriate proximity to their deadlines. And so not wake up in the morning again with tasks that are 
you know, really hard and are going to take a lot of mental energy. If those are booked in an appropriate slot, you kind of know you've, you've got the time allotted to take care of it. And again, you can set it aside at least temporarily, but it's scheduled in, in due proximity to when the deadline actually might be. By setting aside this time on the calendar, you avoid one of the other pitfalls that I'm still continuing to notice. Uh, so even through the pandemic, as we all went virtual, we never really solved our meetings issue. There is an overabundance of meetings taking place within organizations. We had this problem in 2019, 2020, and, and going back in time. Too many meetings, people feeling like they're back to back, people feeling like, when do I even have time to go to the bathroom? The problem, I think, got even worse as a lot of organizations had to go virtual because now we're like, well, if people don't need to walk down the hall, now I can really jam you up with Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. Well, if you've got no time blocked on your calendar for your to-do list, uh, when are you going to get your work done? And so the other advantage of time boxing is it holds that time sacred so that other meetings and invites and stuff can't compete for the time when you actually need to sit down, put your head down and get your work done. So a lot of benefits here with the idea of time boxing. Um, the article itself can be found on Harvard Business Review. It's a, it's a great piece. And I think the uh, callbacks to the research that was done in terms of these you know top 100 productivity hacks uh, really adds, lends some credibility to this idea. Now, related to all this, I want to challenge you to think about when you're starting to time box and you're starting to schedule to do's on the calendar, some other research I've read, and this has been true for my experience. And as I've talked to others about this in, in my coaching and facilitation, I feel like it holds up pretty well in terms of where our mental energy is the strongest in terms of day parts. And so if you've got a really, again, a highly creative, highly intellectually challenging task that you have to take on, you're going to be best suited scheduling that for yourself during the morning hours before lunch in general. And I think there's probably a few exceptions out there, but most people I've talked to and all the research I've read would say that most people are going to be more creative firing on more <laughs> cylinders up upstairs here in their brain before lunch. After lunch is when we start to see a decline in all those things. So if you do have things that you really got to get heads down on, you really got to get them over the finish line, you know they're going to require a lot of creativity, mental energy to get them done, schedule them before lunch. The other thing you need to do is things that are lower on that scale of creativity, highly innovative. Those are things you can put towards the end of the day. So for example, for myself, checking email takes a lot less creativity than, let's say, designing a four-hour workshop. Designing a four-hour workshop is something I'm going to schedule before lunch. Banging out emails and getting my inbox emptied is something I'm going to do more towards the end of the day because it just requires less mental energy. So consider this idea of day parts as a big factor uh, as you start to leverage this idea of time boxing. Now, a final piece of advice as you get into the actual time boxes themselves. So you've blocked yourself for two hours next Tuesday, you know, let's say nine to 11, you're going to be heads down on something that you've got to get over the finish line. During those two hours, I want to challenge you to really think about not entertaining distractions. And so hopefully your calendar can communicate to those around you that obviously you're not available but I want you to think about the other things that you need to do to make sure you're distraction free. 
Again, the myth of multitasking, the opportunity to really bust that myth comes in practice. And when we get into that two-hour time box, we've got to ensure that that time is sacred and it's distraction-free. So for example, for myself, if it's something I've got to design, again, this idea of designing a four-hour workshop, and it's going to take me a couple of hours to get some of these pieces together. During those two hours, I shut my office door. I've communicated to the people I need to communicate to that, hey, I'm going to be heads down. If you really need me, certainly I'm still available, but know that I'm heads down and I'm planning to really get this over the finish line. Also during those two hours, my phone is going to be on silent and it's going to be flipped over so that I can't even see what's going on on the screen. Other notifications, uh, things that are going on on my computer screen are also gone. So I will not just minimize Outlook, but I will close Outlook to avoid that temptation of being pulled away and distracted by any squirrels, so to speak, that might come running across the desk. And so think about some of the things that you know can distract you during these time boxes. We've got to avoid those to really bust that myth of multitasking. Last pitfall I want you to avoid is the temptation to have a completely full calendar. And I know it's very easy, no matter the role you're in, to equate one's effectiveness, one's productivity with how many hours we're actually spending in meetings, how full our calendar is. And so I want to point you to a a conversation that uh, Charlie Rose, he was having an interview conversation with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett a number of years ago. And the headline uh, around this interview was, Busy is the New Stupid. And it's really a fascinating conversation. And one of the things they did during the conversation is they pulled out Warren Buffett's date book. And at this point in time, he didn't have Outlook or anything else. I I doubt he has that uh, at this current time even. But they pulled out his black date book. And Charlie Rose is flipping through it. And here's you know one of the most wealthy individuals on the face of the planet certainly is a busy individual. You know, our external view of him is is this person's a billionaire. They're running Berkshire Hathaway and they're probably pretty darn busy. As Charlie Rose flipped through uh, Warren Buffett's date book, he found several blocks of days that there was nothing, nothing scheduled. And it was kind of mind blowing to Charlie Rose. It's like, well, what's going on here? And Warren Buffett's response was, well, I need time to think. I need time to make decisions. I need time to reflect. And uh, the quote that I'll give you from Bill Gates as part of this conversation, he said, you shouldn't see it as a proxy of your seriousness about your job, that your calendar is completely full. And so I want to challenge you to think about, you've got to earmark time for you. And so whether those are blocks blocks or time boxes that you put on your calendar or not, don't feel like you've got to schedule yourself back to back every hour of the day to be seen as productive, effective, and successful in your role. Well, I'm confident these tips, tricks, hacks, if you will, around time today will really help you put some of the stuff we've talked about in prior episodes more in practice, make them more a reality. So good luck as you start time boxing and using your calendar to your advantage. Uh, Really work to avoid and bust those three myths for yourself. The myth of multitasking, the myth that others are to blame for you not having enough time, and the myth that there's enough time for everything. 
tough things to wrestle with, but I'm confident you can push through it. Thanks so much for tuning in for this first season of episodes. Season two is just around the corner. A few weeks from now, we'll launch that. And I look forward to digging deeper into leadership insights with you. If you get an opportunity, check us out at leadingonpurposeonline.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're taking in this podcast. Thanks again for listening in and take care of yourself.